I'll give you a little insight into what happens and what's typically happened to me every time I've come back from Ethiopia. Or if you've ever been on a church camp or a youth camp, what happens to you when you come away from those camps? What is it? You're challenged. It's like Satan has this go at you to bring you down because you're on this high. Well, I know to expect it now. And so when I came back from Ethiopia, I was keeping an eagle eye out. And sure enough, discouragement came my way. But then the Lord in His mercy and His grace, and this is a personal testimony to you, the Lord in His mercy and His grace, He provided two people that came to see me this week about various things. And it really encouraged my soul again to see that God is at work in people's lives in their own ways. So thank you to the Lord. I want to give public testimony to His goodness. And so we can come to His Word today. And I don't feel like I'm speaking from down in the dumps. It wasn't that bad. Um, Let's just come before the Lord now and uh, let's ask Him to just open our minds as well. Yes, Lord, as we come to this time in our worship service where we sit under your word. Lord, thank you that you've brought us to this place today in your providence. You gave us the breath, you gave us the life this morning to wake up. And here we are, and we're here to worship your name. And so, Lord, we ask that you would open our minds and our hearts to what you will have to say to us. And Lord, help me too that I would just be the channel and that your spirit would be the one who speaks. Lord, use this time for your glory. May your spirit make words alive. May they reach our souls, we pray. And Lord, we just stop this morning too and we just pray for Roxanne as she's there in Ethiopia. Lord, we know that these countries can go through ups and downs quite quickly and the influences of those things can be widespread and so we just pray for her safety. Thank you that she's a believer and that she stands in you but Lord we just pray for Tom and for Roxanne that you would just give them your peace which surpasses all understanding that they will know that she's in your hands and you are the one who's guarding her. The God who is Jehovah. Thank you Lord that we can come to you in this way and now use this time we pray for your glory. Amen. Well, it's been a long time since we've been in uh, Revelation, and so uh, we need to kind of just recap a little bit. I'm not going to do much of that today, but just a bit. Um, and so let's look at the passage this morning. Uh, chapters, Revelation chapter 10 and 11 form a unit, but I'll only be doing chapter 10 this morning. You'll be glad to know. Uh, next time, Lord willing, we'll do chapter 11 or part of chapter 11. Um, So let's look at chapter 10 this morning and I'll be reading the whole chapter. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head and his face was like the sun and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. 
when he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, that there would be no more delay. And there's the core of it. But that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, Take it and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Why you put off that thing? Well, let's just recap a little bit. If you're here for the first time and uh, you've read this passage, you might think, what on earth is happening here? But let's see what God does through this passage. You see, as we've been going through the book of Revelation, we've been seeing what God has said, not just about the future, because He does speak about the future, but we've been looking at what God says about the earth and its history of mankind. Some of the history has already happened. And some of it is happening now to us. And some of it will happen until Christ returns. And Revelation covers all of that. And so we've been looking at this vision that the Apostle John saw when he was on the island of Patmos. And there he was. He thought he was out of circulation because the Romans had sidelined him for the sake of the gospel, and yet God used him in that place of isolation to bring a vision that would reach the whole world, that would have divine implications to believers, not just in his time, but further afield. And here we are today, in 2018, listening to and hearing what he saw on that island. And it's having an effect on us too, because it has effect on us, it has implication on the days that we live in as well. We've seen that the seals were opened. There was a scroll that was closed in heaven and then the Lamb stepped forward who we saw was Jesus Christ in the form of the Lamb who was sacrificed once and for all. He steps forward, the only one worthy to open the scroll and He starts breaking those seals open one at a time and as He starts opening up those seals, various Plans of God that God had already had before the earth had started, way before time, come into effect and are put into play. And I can't, we don't have time to go into all of them. You're going to have to do a bit of homework again. And we've seen that the sixth seal has been opened in chapter 6 verse 1. And after the sixth seal was opened, there was an interlude, a pause in chapter 7. 
And what happened there is really important because it has reference to what we, where we're at today. In, at the end of that sixth seal, when the sixth seal was opened, in that interlude, there was this image of God's sealing of the saints forever. Beautiful picture. God seals the saints for him. And it was there to encourage believers. Why? Because in the time that the Apostle John was writing and the believers that were going to be reached immediately by this vision, those believers were under extreme persecution for their faith. And so they needed to be encouraged. And as they read that passage, that they were sealed by God, by His own seal on their lives, they must have been encouraged. And so too we are encouraged today when we realize that we are sealed to God forever. If you're a believer, you carry the seal of the Holy Spirit on you. The number of God is on your life. And so we can be encouraged by that. And now, we've looked at the seventh seal that's been opened, so we're in that region of the the, the vision. The seventh seal has been opened. There are no more seals to be opened. And under the seven seals that were opened, six trumpet, trumpets of seven have already sounded. And we are now in that pause before the final trumpet, the seventh trumpet is sounded. And again we come to a pause. And it's not a pause that is a time pause, it's only an interpretation pause. There's no delay in time in this period. It's only a pause so that an explanation can be given to us. It's an interpretive interpretative pause. And chapter 10 and 11 describe something now which we need to know so that the last trumpet will sound and then it will make sense. This pause, this description is a description in a very dramatic picture which is there to encourage saints once again. If you look back um, at the seven, at the six trumpets that have sounded Horrible things have happened there. We've had uh, mountains falling into the sea. We've had the sun and the moon darkened. We've had locusts appear and run around on the earth, stinging people and killing people. We've had horsemen slaying. Terrible pictures. And God has given us those interpretations. And now we need some encouragement too. We're just human. And so God gives an interpretation which brings encouragement. And the encouragement is this, through this picture we're going to see today, so I'm kind of giving you the answer before we start. The interpretation is God's ongoing protection of His people. God is a sovereign God who is all-powerful, who is looking after His own as they go about their task of witnessing right till the day Jesus comes again. It applies to you and I. We're here on this earth. Sometimes you get discouraged, sometimes you are encouraged. But this picture is here to encourage us to carry on with the task we have as the Church of Christ to witness to Jesus and to His name in the world. In other words, we are to take out the Gospel message constantly. We are to speak about Jesus Christ. And here's the encouragement we need to do that. Because when we look around us, as the people would have in the the Apostle John's time, they would see the evil forces working. They will see the world forces seemingly overwhelming people. But they needed to know that the world forces would be overthrown ultimately and decisively. And so they needed to know that. 
Well, let's come to the first few verses there, chapter 10, verses 1 to 7, and I'll be referring to those now. The mighty angels at work. We're in verses 1 to 7, and here we have this picture, and it's a really dramatic picture of this mighty angel described to us. The Greek speaks about this angel as another of the same kind, alos, another of the same kind of angels. We've seen other angels before with trumpets. We've seen angels at work throwing down stars. We've seen angels um, at work in some of these other visions. And now John sees another mighty angel. And this angel is very different from the others. Now some say that this angel is a picture of Christ. They speak about the instance when Abram was visited by three men who appeared to be angels, who was the Lord visiting Abraham um, back in Genesis chapter 18. However, others disagree with that and the majority disagree with that view to say this isn't a picture of Christ. This is a picture of a mighty angel sent by God with a message. Because we see various things in this passage. We see that this angel is under direct authority of the voice from heaven. In verse 8 we see that this angel swears by him who created the heavens and the earth, who is the sun, in verse 6. And so, in a way... He can't be the Son. But we're, not, we're going to agree to disagree on that because it, we can put that aside. It doesn't matter. This messenger that we speak about, that the passage speaks about here, is one sent directly from God's presence. And so let's look at what he looks like because that's really important and I need your help here because there are allusions here to the Old Testament and you're going to have to help me track through, alright? To keep me on track and to keep you on track. And so we have this description of the angel, and I'm going to read from verse 1 of chapter 10. Then I saw another mighty angel coming, look where he comes from, coming down from heaven, and this is what he looks like. He was wrapped in cloud, firstly. So what's that all about? First association, if you're a good Old Testament scholar, cloud. Moses and the mountain, alright. God coming down from the mountain, and also Moses going up to God in the clouds. And that was associated with the presence of God, His splendor, but also the judgment of God at the same time around. You always get mercy, judgment, mercy, judgment, always with God. And so the association is God's power, His majesty, His glory, but that association with the God who also judges because He's a holy God. And He judges for sin. Revelation 1 verse 7, we see that the Lord, when He reappears in uh, the skies, he's going to come on the clouds of heaven. says that. And so that is going to be a glorious day, but it's also going to be a day of judgment. There's always that association with cloud. And so, wrapped in cloud, we see this angel appearing. And then the second description of this angel, there was a rainbow over his head. Come on. Old Testament scholars, yes? Noah, God's covenant promise, I will never destroy mankind again. Do you see the association here? God's judgment, but His mercy always extended. There's this mighty angel that John, that John sees in this, must have been an amazing picture that he saw, this vision. And there is this angel wrapped in cloud, but over his head is this rainbow reminding him that God is a God of mercy. And so we see God's splendor there. And this angel had come from the very presence of God's throne. And if you read Revelation chapter 4 verse 3, we see that God's throne is surrounded by this rainbow. 
And so there this angel comes from God's presence, showing God's mercy and his judgment as shown in the time of Noah. Great reminders here. Think of John's audience, the ones who were first going to hear this, those churches that this letter would be sent to. Think how they would be encouraged to, be, to know that God is going to judge, but He's a God of mercy to us. And He will rem- remember His covenant promise to His people. He will show us mercy. He will never completely destroy because of sin. Only one day when He comes in judgment, there will be that final destruction, a continual destruction because of sin. And then we see this angel, the third description, he had a face like the sun. What's the association? There's two associations here, an Old Testament and a New Testament. Okay, I've been studying it. Moses. Remember Moses comes down from God's presence and his face was shining and the people were afraid. And then the other time when Moses was in the tabernacle with God, every time he came out of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting with the Lord, his face was shining so brightly he had to wear a veil because the people couldn't look at his face. He'd been in God's presence. Do you remember those things? I hope so, otherwise go back and read your Old Testament because it's all combined in Revelation. And so the other association we have, not just with that, but is also New Testament, The Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus went up on the mountain with three of his disciples and John was one of those. And so this would have meant a lot to John. And what does he see? This angel whose face is shining. He's just come from God's presence too. Do you see the association there? Pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ as well. And so this messenger comes as God's direct messenger to the people through the Apostle John. Let's carry on with the description. He had legs like pillars of fire. What's the association? Old Testament. Yes? Cloud, fire. Taking people through the wilderness. God leading His people. But God is a holy God who would not be toyed with and played with. God who is in front of His people, who is mighty and also holy. And so here this... This mighty angel has legs like pillar of fire. He's firm. He's immovable. He's he's unbending holiness which will stamp out sin in the end. Which will stamp out unholiness. Which will burn it with holy fire. He's the one pictured in front of his people. Still guiding them in this time. Do you see the picture? It's beautiful. And then we carry on with this description. He gets told that this angel has opened in his hands a little scroll. It's a diminutive term used. In English you don't have diminutive terms. In Afrikaans, my home language, they do have diminutive terms. You'll say a bird and a small bird, so you get a fool, but a fool key. It's a little bird. Well, he's got a, not just, he hasn't got the scroll in his hand, he's got a little scroll in his hand. It's the same scroll. But it's been made small for the sake of the picture because John's going to have to eat this thing. It's not that hard. And um, in, this little picture, in this picture of the little scroll, you need to understand it's not a new scroll. Some have written screeds and volumes about this new scroll. It's not. It's the same scroll in another picture. 
And he's got this open scroll. The seals have been broken. And what does the scroll remind us of again? It is God's plans for the world. His predetermined plans for the world right until eternity. And they are open in God's hands and in his messenger's hands to show God's plans are at work. They will be fulfilled. His unchanging word is open. It will fulfill his plans. And it has to fit into this symbolic picture here of John having to eat it. And so that's why it's this little scroll. And then we see uh, the next part of the picture. His right foot is on the sea and his left foot is on the land. Um, Just imagine that in your mind. Here's this mighty angel. He's got this rainbow clouds, scroll open his hand, and there he stands over land and sea. What's it a picture of? Strength. There is no stronger strength. It's almighty. God is sovereign. He's got sovereign authority to judge and it extends to the whole earth, over the sea, over the land. Nowhere can you go and escape from God's sovereignty and from His judgment. He's over all. Do you see the picture? There's no place to escape from this God. And then He he speaks and He speaks with a loud voice like a lion roaring, says the text. And that reflects his power, his majesty, his authority as God, as the Lion of Judah roaring. We've already come across that previously in our text. And it was prophesied by the Old Testament prophets. Many of them spoke about this roaring of God. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 25. If you'd turn there as your Bibles with me. Jeremiah chapter 25. And we're going to read verse 30. Nothing is here for nothing. It all ties back into Scripture. Jeremiah chapter 25 verse 30. You therefore shall prophesy against them all these words and say to them, The Lord will roar from on high, and from His holy habitation utter His voice. Well, that's exactly what's happening here now. He will roar mightily against His his fold and shout like those who tread grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. The clamour will resound to the ends of the earth, for the Lord has an indictment against the nations. He is entering into judgment with all flesh, and all the wicked he will put to the sword, declares the Lord. And so here this picture rings out from the book of Jeremiah as well. The Lord roars from heaven. And so we see that coming out of this picture as well. And then an interesting thing happens if you read your text. And as this angel roared from heaven, when he called out, the seven thunders sounded. Now, again, they've written screeds of things on this. But the Bible actually speaks about God thundering. And all it is here is God affirming what his messenger has said. The seven angels thundered in response. Seven again, remember, perfect, perfection, Thunder many, many times speaks about God's presence and you can go and look up those verses. Revelation 8, chapter 5. I'll put these up here if you're taking notes. Revelation 8, 11, chapter 19 and then specifically Psalm 18, verse 13 which speaks about God thundering from the heavens. The thunders answer and affirm what this messenger of the Lord is saying. God is bringing a message of judgment but also Mercy, He is sovereign God. He is present in everything that is happening in this picture. 
that John is seeing. And so it would have been a comfort to the people to read. God is here. He affirms what is happening. All this is by God's plan. Nothing is just happening by accident. What is he told to do? What is John told to do next? And when the seven thunders had sounded, verse 4, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, and this seems weird, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Why? I don't know. And so we can't speculate. Full stop. God's word doesn't tell us. But for some reason, God didn't want him to write what the seven thunders had just said. And he just said, seal up. The rest I want you to write down, but seal up. We're not told why. Job chapter 37 verse 5 says this, and this is the truth of it. God thunders with his voice wondrously, doing great things which we cannot comprehend. And there we end it. That's all. And let's carry on then, because if we stay on that one, we're not in Scripture anymore. And so what does the angel do now? And this is really relevant to us. He raises his right hand. And what does that all signify? Right hand, or both hands in Scripture? Right hand? Swearing an oath to God. Making a promise before God. Alright? Standard gesture in Scripture. And the implication here was that the angel is about to swear. And what he is about to swear we must really listen to because it's of utter importance. And it's also really truthful to us and so we must hear. What is he going to say? So he raises his hand. And this is a direct allusion to what? Let's see who knows the Old Testament. The angel swearing to the God who made everything, the Creator God. Where do we see that? Come on! Wanganui Baptist Church, you know the Old Testament. Yes? Someone said it here. Good for you. If I had lollies, I'd give them to you. Daniel chapter 12. There we have this picture of a being standing above the waters. You can go and read about it. And as he's standing there above the waters, there's thunder, there's lightning. And then he raises his arms and he swears by the God who made the heavens and the earth. It's a direct allusion to Daniel. You see, we need to know our scriptures if we're going to understand what is happening here in Revelation. And what is he doing here in this picture, this mighty angel? He's also swearing by him who created heaven and earth and the sea. What's he speaking about here? This God who is sovereign, who's been there from eternity. The one who was there at the creation of the world. The one who will be there at the end of the world. The one who will be there into eternity. He is the one that, we are, that this mighty being is swearing this oath to. There is no one greater in authority. And so he connects the beginning and the end. What a beautiful picture. I love that harmony in Scripture. And so there is this being. And now we come to the core. What is he swearing? And we really need to pay attention to this. He says this, And he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, that what there would be no more delay, but that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. What is this all about? 
He swears, this will come true. There will be no more delay. Time and history has gone up to this point. But when that seventh trumpet sounds, there will be no more delay. God's judgment will come down. Time will be no more. There will be no more time to turn and find the mercy of God. Time will be up. It's a warning to mankind. We need to listen. Both of those, both those who are saved and those who are unsaved here this morning, there will come a time when there will be no more time. We need to hear what God's Word is saying. When that seventh trumpet sounds, and we're going to get to that next, when that seventh trumpet sounds, time as we know it will end, just as the prophets had spoken from God. You see, many of the prophets, and we'll get to a few of them now, Daniel and a few others, Ezekiel, many of them had spoken about this mystery which would happen, but God's judgment would come on a day when time would run out. So what is this mystery that he speaks about? When this happens, God's mystery will be fulfilled or be revealed. Well, these are the truths God had hidden for a long time over history, but which he gradually let the world know through the prophets. And they could never fully see these things. Many of them spoke about the Messiah, and even though they couldn't understand fully, they preached the full gospel. But they themselves didn't fully understand, and they died like that in the hope that they would be raised one day, and then they would understand, many of them. The prophecy in Daniel chapter 11 and 12 is is used, and um, I want us to look at that a little bit. Daniel. Just look at this passage. Daniel chapter 12, verse 13. It's a very encouraging verse. The prophet Daniel spoke about visions that God showed him and he spoke about things which would still happen, yes, in the very near future to the nation of Israel, but ultimately to all people in the end when the Lord returns, the Messiah. He spoke about these things, but a lot of this he didn't understand and he said so to the Lord, Lord, I don't understand this, but I will speak your word. And then we find this really encouraging verse, the last verse in Daniel. Look at this verse. It's the Lord speaking. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. There's God's promise to Daniel. You are my faithful prophet. And yes, you don't understand everything, Daniel, but just do what I've given you to do, and I will make sure that you will stand in your allotted place on that day. You don't need to know everything. And so there he was, speaking about this mystery which would be revealed. And in Daniel chapter 11 and 12, there's a specific sequence used here to bring these visions about. He speaks about the end time suffering of God's people. He speaks about God's destruction of the enemy. He speaks about the establishment of the kingdom. And he speaks about the reign of the saints. And that's exactly the way Revelation is structured here as well. End time suffering of God's people. God's destruction of the enemy in the end. His establishment of His kingdom and then the reigning of God's saints forever. Revelation follows the same structure. And so that's the mystery that God reveals. And also the mystery of the Messiah who would come. 
And many of them couldn't understand that fully. But they preached that message. And in the end, that was consummated. Jesus Christ was born. He came. He lived. He died. He was resurrected. He returned to God and He will come again. The mystery is revealed. And then there was more mystery. This great nation that God would form from all those who put their faith in Him. Old Testament, New Testament. Called His church. The mystery that they didn't understand in the Old Testament now revealed to us who are part of that in the New Testament. Romans chapter 16. The Apostle Paul speaks about this. Romans chapter 16 verse 25. Just turn there with me very quickly. One verse. We often hear this verse at the end of services. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Here it is. According to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, there it is in the New Testament. That mystery is fulfilled. Jesus Christ has come. He's brought the gospel message. The church has been established and together with all those who believe from Old and New Testament, God will see His plan fulfilled. Are you feeling hopeful or sleepy? Hopeful. Great. We'll carry on. We're nearly through. Halfway through. Verse 8 to 11. The little scroll, and this is much shorter, but we need to take notice of this. The Apostle John is given direction here to take the scroll, direct command from the voice in heaven, that's God himself, and to, and his eyes must have gone open now, take the scroll and eat it. But John was a good Old Testament scholar too. He knew that what was being referred to was what? Old Testament You see in front of you a pastor in shock. No. What was being referred to here? Eat the scroll. Which prophet? Ezekiel. Thank you, whoever said that. Ezekiel the prophet. He was also to- told to take a scroll and to eat it. And when you eat it, it will become sweet in your mouth, but it will turn to bitterness in your stomach. Exactly what is happening over here. So it's a direct al- allusion to Ezekiel and his experience and his vision of God on his throne. You see, it's all tying up. And all that it is is when he has to devour it and it literally, the literal translation of take it and eat it is eat it down into you. Swallow it. In other words, assimilate it. Make its contents your own. And it symbolizes John absorbing and assimilating God's word. And as he eats God's Word, and as he contemplates on the truths of God's Word, and and the same truth is true for you and I, as we assimilate God's Word and take its truths in, it will be sweet to our mouths. There's a chorus we used to sing when I was young. Your Word is sweet like honey on the honeycomb to me. comes from Psalms, Psalm 119 verse 103. His Word is sweet on our mouths. Well, it's this thing. When we contemplate God's truths, it is sweet to our souls. Our souls can't get enough of it. And even the prophet John, uh, the, um, John here, the apostle, he would, bring, he would hear this message of God who is with his saints. 
and it would be sweet to him. But once he had absorbed it, there was a second part to the message. What was that? That God would bring his judgment on sinners. And that turns to bitterness. It can't be easy for us to take that message into the world. Who wants to hear about judgment? The world doesn't want to hear about it. And I don't really want to tell them about it, but I have to. Because God's Word says it is part of the message. And I can't give them a 50% message, because it's not the full message. And when we do, we must have that in us, which is bitterness in us. It is sad, but we must do it. Take out the whole gospel to the world. Jesus Christ saved, but what is He saved from? He saves from God's judgment. There's bitterness of that message. Sweetness, bitterness in that message. There's a terrible doom awaiting unbelievers, and it should, it should cause us heavy hearts when we think about those in our families who still do not know the Lord. That is the bitterness I'm speaking about. And then the Lord says the last part of that message, Now John, Go and prophesy. Go and prophesy to the peoples and nations, people of all languages and kings. In other words, John, I want you to stay faithful to your first commission, but I'm recommissioning you, John. Take out this message of God's judgment and His mercy to the nations. Take it out, John. And yes, you're on the Isle of Patmos, and you might think it's not going to reach anyone, but be faithful in recording it. I will take it out. And your message, Apostle John, will go out into all the world, and you will encourage churches, and you will warn unbelievers that they need to come to God, but be faithful in taking out the full message. And there it is, reaching us today. The Apostle John is faithful. And that is why we have the message. If he had crumpled up that message and put it away under a rock on Patmos, okay, we don't know what God would have done. He would have probably raised someone else. But he didn't. He used John, who was faithful. And here we have the message today. Alright, what do we do with this? Three points of application. And so I want you really just to concentrate on this now. God is in control. When you look at your life this last week and you wonder, does God see this? God is in control. Here we have this picture of the interaction between God, this mighty angel, and John. The, the, the thunder sound, this angel is standing there and John has to write things down. God is in control. There's no chaos here. God's predetermined plan of salvation is opened in the hand of that angel and it's being put into action. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this, says God's word. It will happen. He is the Almighty and the Sovereign God. And so I appeal to you this morning, come to this picture and find rest in God when those forces of evil seem to be triumphant all around you. When you see what's happening in our country and the legislation possibilities, God is in control. Don't lose fact of that. Don't lose sight of that, rather. When you see the chaos that's erupting around the world in various ways, God is in control. Don't lose sight of that. In your own life, when things cave in on you, when your children that you've prayed for all these years carry on, and excuse the term, now stuffing up their lives, and you can see it, God is in control. Keep looking to Him. Don't lose sight. He will fulfill what He has set out to do. 
And so continue to pray for them. And trust God. Continue to pray into your situation. And trust God. He's sovereign. He's almighty. Look what his angels look like. Imagine what he looks like. Second thing is this one. There will be no more delay when the Son of Man comes. It's a warning from God's Word. You see, our default setting as human beings, and I know, I speak to myself, what is it? I'll do it tomorrow. I've got a hedge that's been waiting for me. Ah, do it tomorrow. Tomorrow comes too hot. I'll do it tomorrow. Scripture teaches that's, that's an untruth. There are some things that can't wait till tomorrow. And your soul is one of those. How important is your soul for all eternity? Your soul can't wait till tomorrow to be saved. The Lord says, today when you hear my voice, respond to me and come to me for salvation and be saved. Don't think there will be a tomorrow. There might not be. Jesus might come before tomorrow. And then there'll be no time. This angel has said so, and this is a messenger from God. When that trumpet sounds, it's over. There'll be no more delay. So be ready today. And if you need to speak to your friend who's a Christian or me, come and speak to us, but don't delay any longer. Be ready for the Lord's coming. He will not just wait for you on that day. It'll be too late. And then thirdly is this one. The Apostle John was told to hear and to speak, to prophesy. And we've got that same message today. What is the prophecy today? Firstly, to unbelievers. This passage warns those who are ungodly, those who reside outside of the covenant community of God's church, Come to me and be saved. There will be judgment on you. I am God. I do not change. I am a, a holy God. My holiness does not change. I will not give your sin an exception. Come to me and be saved. He speaks to compromisers. Those who say they are part of the body of Christ. But in their alliances they are, are allied to the world more than to God's people. And our churches are filled with many who think they are believers. They speak like believers. They speak Christianese fluently. They know their Bibles well. But the Bible has not reached their souls. And you might be one of those. Don't compromise with the world. Come fully to Jesus Christ. Give Him your life fully. Because He brings... His word to those who are unrepentant and those who take shortcuts with His moral standards. And His message is this, wake up, repent, there is still time. Don't ally yourself with this world. Come to me and give yourself fully to me. Ask for forgiveness. And then lastly, to us as believers, what is the prophecy today? What is that message that we get from God's Word? You see, we're currently hearing and we're reading this message in Revelation. And we are constantly being called to put it into practice in our lives. And you would have heard that over and over from this pulpit. And yes, it will mean suffering. And yes, it might mean antagonism from your family and friends. And yes, it will definitely mean perseverance in your life. But... 
be overwhelmed this morning by the joy and the victory and the peace of the bigger picture that He's shown to you this morning. Jesus Christ will be revealed in His kingdom and you will be part of that kingdom. Be overwhelmed by that picture firstly. And secondly, His word will not be subdued and will not fade away, so trust it. You take out this message to your friends and your family. Trust that it will do its work. Trust His word. That angel's holding up that opened word with God's promises in it. When you give those promises to your family members and you ask them to trust Jesus Christ and you read those verses, John 3.16 and all those verses, trust the Scriptures. God will use His Word in people's lives still today. Trust that Word. Don't take other shortcuts and do all kinds of other ways to try and convince them to come to the Lord. Use His Word. It is a powerful Word. But unleash it. The lion will do its own work, said Spurgeon. Unleash His Word. Trust it. Hold it high. Respect it. Spend time in it. And it will do that work in your life too. You see, God will build His church. His word will prevail. He will accomplish His purposes. His mysteries will be revealed because His word says so. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10 to 11. I've put it here for you. Let's look at this verse as we close. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there. Have you ever seen that? You've seen a snowflake going up? Not in this country, no. Maybe south. Have you seen rain going up again? No, it doesn't work like that. It comes down and then it achieves its purposes. They do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and to sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. This is the promise. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. And I shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Who's speaking there? God is speaking about His Word. Why has He sent His Word out into the world? So that men and women would be saved for all eternity. His ends will achieve their purposes. God has spoken. The God of hosts will accomplish this. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, as we contemplate this vision of this mighty angel who is glorious in many ways, may we be pointed to Jesus, the one who is even more glorious, the one who is majestic. God, thank you that you've given us these pictures so that we too, in the year 2018, can be encouraged. Because sometimes, yes, we do get discouraged when things come against us. But Lord, help us to see these eternal truths from your word. And help us to trust your living word to us. And to put it into effect in our own lives in a daily way. So that we will see our lives changed. So that we will see the power of your word at work in our lives and the lives of those around us that we witness to. Lord, help us to be faithful prophets of your word. To take out your word faithfully, the full message of the gospel. So that men will hear about the mercy of Jesus Christ that they will also hear about the problem of sin and how they can't get away from that sin unless Jesus Christ intervenes miraculously in their lives. Lord, help us to be faithful messengers 
as we go out into this week with the power that you give through your Spirit into every single situation that we face. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. We praise you. Now use us, we pray. Amen.